everyone. Welcome into the Orange and Blue News podcast. I am your host today, Alec Bussey. Happy to be joined by a fellow Illinois Beat member and James Boyd, one of my good friends on the beat. And then uh, actually really happy to be joined by Hunter Bailey from the Charlotte Observer, who has covered the Charlotte football program for four years, but it's his first year with the Charlotte Observer. So Hunter, welcome, uh, welcome on to the beat. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're super excited to get you on. Before we kind of get going into these questions, I just kind of wanted to ask you, like, are you coming up to Champaign this weekend to see the game? Are you coming up out of the south, north of the Mason-Dixon line and everything? I am. Credential got approved and booked hotels earlier, so I'll see you guys on Saturday. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can. Anyway, let's kind of dive into some coverage here. Just basic first question that I guess I kind of have based off of basic information I've done you look at this Charlotte team and their quarterback has really stood out um you know back to back or twice this year he's been named conference USA player of the week Chris Reynolds is a really talented player what kind of skill set does he have um that makes him so makes him so talented yeah Chris is uh he's definitely the heart and soul of this offense Oh, that sucked. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. All right. Sorry about that internet cut. Um, Chris Reynolds is definitely the uh, the heart and soul of this team. So he was actually a walk-on back in 2017, went from six on the depth chart to taking the starting role um, in just his redshirt freshman year. So he's definitely a, a mobile quarterback, tough kid. He'll take a lot of hits. Um, he's not really one to slide. And that that's come back to bite him quite a few times through his career. Um, he went down with a couple injuries uh, his freshman year. He broke his ankle. And then uh, 2019, which was statistically his best year, um, he tore the labrum in his throwing shoulder on the first snap of the season. Um, he actually played through through the injury, played the whole season. But uh, getting back to 100% for him has definitely been crucial this year. So if we were to say he's also the all-time leading passer, I believe, in, in school history. So... What, I guess, what does a journey like his do for that program? A relatively new program, and obviously they had some success when he's there. Yeah, I'd definitely say the trajectory of the program is definitely correlated with his ascent, like his ascendance in a, in a great manner. Um, when Healy took over in 2019, Chris wasn't supposed to be the guy. They recruited a USF quarterback, Brett Keene. Um, it was Healy's guy. He was going to come in take the job. Uh, Keen actually got the first reps of the season through an interception really quick. They took him out four touchdown drives later. Jobs Chris Reynolds has been since. Um, yeah, so he just passed Matt Johnson uh, for the most yards in program history and then the most passing touchdowns. It's funny because it's a little over 5,000 yards. Some quarterbacks throw that in the season. Uh, but Chris uh, – He's definitely – he's kind of coming to his own a little bit this year. He had a couple of rough games uh, in the rain against Georgia State and then uh, at home against Gardner-Webb wasn't really a strong showing. But there's some rain in the forecast this weekend, so I definitely think that will make it tough on the offense if, if the rain does indeed come. So, Andre, I kind of wanted to follow up with Chris just because he kind of seems to be – the part that kind of keeps the offense going, it's an offense that scores around 30 points a game, 
they run for nearly 200 yards a game and he's a big part of that like you said but they also throw it for over 245 yards a game so when you look at charlotte's offensive attack like outside of richardson like how does it go like what kind of keeps it going and why is it so successful yeah, so there's actually been kind of an emergence at receiver this year for them that they really needed. They lost uh, three guys in the portal last year, and I was I was concerned throughout the offseason. Um, they didn't really sign, bring anybody notable in in the portal, um, just had some freshmen. There was a guy, uh, Grant DuBose, he's kind of been a, a breakout star. He's actually leading them in receiving touchdowns and catches right now. So this time last year, he was working at Walmart in Alabama, playing division two football for miles college i'd never heard of it um transferred to charlotte and just kind of took over um, so him and victor tucker at receiver tucker's been there he's well documented with charlotte definitely i think their passing game is their strongest uh it's what makes the offense go um, but in terms of Anything else with the offense? I would say the offensive line has come a long way. Reynolds was sacked, I believe it was 16 times in six games last year. And like, that's not good. That's not cutting it. Um, this year, they've been a much more stout group and have been paving the way on the ground as well. So what do you think is the key to them uh, possibly pulling off, I guess, a quote unquote upset against Illinois. I know we've looked at it from our perspective, but um, what do you think are some weaknesses that, that Illinois presents that, uh, that obviously uh, Charlotte can, can exploit? That's a great question, man. Uh, watching Illinois, I've seen them, seen two full games this year. I got to watch them uh, last Saturday against Good. I think um, if Witherspoon plays, I think it's going to be tough. Um, He's good sideline to sideline. Um, you guys have good corners. Um, they're going to, if they speed up Reynolds, get pressure on him, make him pull the ball down and run, make him like speed up the clock in his head, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think the best way, best thing Charlotte has going for him is they've scored first in every game this year. They can get out to that fast start. And one thing Keeley's been talking about a lot is extend the lead. You go up 7-0. If you can get the ball back, you have to score. It's almost like must score to stretch the lead. So I think if they can get a fast start, that's that's about the only way I think they're, they're leaving Champagne with a win. So, Hunter, you mentioned this kind of strategy that Coach Healy has over there about getting the ball and scoring. I mean, obviously that's what every offense wants to do, right? But yeah. they seem to really put an emphasis on it. Is that because the defense struggles? I mean, they give up less than 25 points a game, which isn't like a huge number, but they seem to give up – a lot of a lot on the ground um and that has to be a concern especially going into a game like this where illinois has proven they can run the football when healthy yeah i think illinois is going to be a charlotte's kryptonite with that i think joshua mccray is gonna run rampant um they charlotte hasn't really stopped anybody on the ground um a team they played last week middle tennessee had rushed for like 162 yards all season and ran for well over 100 um Mateo Durant for Duke, they're back 255 and three touchdowns in week one all by himself. Um, I think that the defense, um, it's decent through the air. They've got some, like the entire secondary is basically an FBS transfer. Um, they got John Alexander from Kansas State. He's definitely the leader. And they'll play a little bit of both safety positions, kind of be sideline to sideline. Um, 
in terms of slowing Illinois down, I don't, I don't necessarily know they can do that. I think if anything, they're going to have to force some like timely turnovers. Um, but I think Illinois is going to do what they do and, and run the ball. So obviously, um, again, we're, we're pestering you with questions, but if you have anything for us, what are some things you'd like to know about um, Illinois? Because I know um, you've talked about their offense and, and possibly being sued to have a big game, but as me and Alec know, it's been anemic at times with, with some of these uh, offensive woes that we see from Illinois. Obviously, competition level changes that a little bit, but at the same time, if you got any questions for us, feel free to ask. For sure. I definitely got a couple. Um, so I guess one a little bit about Charlotte. Um, from watching Charlotte, I assume you guys watched them a little bit or looked up their numbers some this week. What have you seen from Charlotte that like poses a threat, you think, to Illinois? I'll take that, James, if you want. Um, I haven't watched too much Charlotte film, but you were kind of talking about Illinois' defense a lot. And I don't know if they've really – like Adrian Martinez is a really gifted thrower and he's a really gifted passer for Nebraska. And obviously Talia Tagovailoa at Maryland has some of those abilities as well. And Armstrong at Virginia is a pretty talented quarterback as well. But you kind of look at what, you know, Reynolds is able to do for Charlotte's offense. And it's really, really balanced. And I don't know if Illinois has gone against a quarterback that is that skilled of a runner. And they haven't done it at least since they faced off against Nebraska in week zero. And that was a long time ago. And the defense looks a lot different now than it did then uh i still have questions about how good this illinois defense is and maybe that's just because over the last five years it's been putrid like it's been really really bad um and yeah it's been good the last two weeks but i don't know how well that carries over throughout the rest of the year so that's a concern of mine and i think if charlotte's able to find a way to throw the ball well um, maybe eclipse their like season average by just a little bit, their run game is going to get pretty aggressive. And I think that's something that could really stress Illinois' defense. Gotcha. Go ahead. So one more. Uh, with Illinois, the quarterback situation, I know there's kind of been a little bit of back and forth with the injury in week zero and then him coming back. I saw that. Peters is supposed to start this week, but what are what are your guys' take on it, and who do you think gives Illinois the best chance to win? Oh, let's see. This is the question that's going to get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> to to be honest, I I really feel like there isn't that big of a gap in between Brandon Peters and uh, Art Sitowski, the backup. Um, I know. I feel like Illinois fans, like any college football fans, when one guy's in, they're like. Oh, we don't, you know, we, where's the other guy? We need him. And, and then Brandon Peters comes back and it's like, oh, well, if we're going to get this, we want art. But so you can't have it both ways. This is a game for Brandon Peters to get his confidence back, if that makes sense. Like he, he just hasn't looked comfortable. I mean, obviously you have an injury and you, and you come back and you're, it's kind of like you're trying to learn on the fly with his new offense, new coaching staff. But I feel like if he doesn't find his footing this week and have a pretty strong game, that's really going to open up uh, uh, serious questions about who starts. I mean, we asked Monday in, in a press conference with, with Coach uh, Bielema, and there wasn't really a, a strong commitment to Brandon Peters. So uh, I'm interested to see if he struggles again this week against a Conference USA opponent. No disrespect at all. I mean, it's still football. You got to go out there and win it or, or play well. But if he struggles, I'm interested to see if he can retain that that number one, you know, QB one job. 
Yeah, Hunter, I can kind of add on that a little bit as well. I think a lot of Illinois fans are tired of the Brandon Brandon Peters era when you kind of look at it. Like, it's been such a roller coaster the last couple of years, and this year has been a lot of lows. So I think that that's concerning to a lot of Illinois fans, and they're just kind of tired of it. Uh, With that being said, I do think he's probably going to get the start this Saturday. But if he struggles, I do think he gets yanked pretty quickly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's some point in the second quarter, maybe even before the start of the second quarter, if he struggles, throws an interception, or the offense just looks like doesn't have much life or much energy if Illinois decides to go and make the move to Sikowski. But at the same time, and I'll say this, and I don't think that this criticism is being given enough, Illinois' receivers haven't gotten open very much. And I don't care who's a quarterback. If your wide receivers aren't open, it's really hard for a quarterback to complete the ball downfield or underneath. And owners receivers just haven't gotten much separation. And that's really, really difficult uh, for them to do for some reason. They just don't have the athletes, don't have the physicality on the outside that's needed to do that. So I don't really know if whoever is at quarterback makes a huge difference. Maybe Art Sikowski coming in gives them a little bit more of a jolt, maybe gives them some juice. But I don't really know if it makes a huge difference. And it kind of boils down to like what James said, is that I don't really know if there's a huge difference between the two of them in terms of their skill set, in terms of what they can bring. Gotcha. So I thought thought of one more just now. Uh, From watching the game last week, there was a decision, and you guys may have asked him about it in a press conference this week, but uh, it was fourth and two, really from the 34, and they punted. And you guys have a good kicker. Like, He's connected from some 50, 50 plus. What did you guys think of the decision? And is this an aggressive offense? I'll let, I'll let Alec go go first because he he's a little more uh, fired up, I guess, about it than me. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a column after the game that I forget exactly what the headline was, but it was something along the lines of like Illinois punting away victories because in back-to-back weeks now they've punted from within – like the 35 and 45 of their opponents and the opponent has then gone down the field to score a pretty, pretty big touchdown. And it's given the opponent a lot of momentum. I did not agree with the decision to punt against Maryland. And I definitely didn't agree with the decision to punt against Purdue. I thought the decision to punt against Purdue was much more erroneous, maybe just because I didn't think it made much sense on the surface and even diving in deeper and listening to Brett Bielma's explanation of why he wanted to punt. It didn't make much sense to me. With that being said, I think the offense is limited in terms of how aggressive it can be because it it doesn't have very many game breakers on the outside. Like, like Isaiah Williams is a good playmaker at wide receiver, but he's not very big. He's more of just a slot receiver, and they've struggled to kind of get creative in how they get him the ball. They don't have any game-breaking wide receivers. And at tight end, teams have done a good job of scheming to slow down Daniel Barker and Luke Ford this season. So I don't know how aggressive it can be. I think the biggest key for the Illinois offense in terms of being able to get some momentum and put points on the board is finding a way to connect underneath on passing routes. And whether that's getting involved with screens or curls or comebacks or even something that I can't remember them doing. And James, you can tell me if you remember. Like I don't remember a bubble screen or a wide receiver screen run once this year. And that's a really weird thing for a college offense to not have. I mean, it just comes down to having dues, like I've said before. Um, you don't know if Illinois, being a Big Ten program, has a lot of Big Ten caliber dudes, frankly, on the roster. But um, I'm, I'm not as, like I said, I'm not as mad at the decision to, to punt. Um, 
they had to go 94 yards to score a touchdown at that. Um, and the defense had played great all day. I get it. Like, you put a lot of pressure on your defense. They're going to break at some point. But I was fine with the decision, mainly because there were still – I feel like everyone's kind of forgotten. There were still 554, 544 left in the game to that last score that put Purdue up. So, I mean, I grant, granted, Illinois' offense couldn't really do anything all day, but it's not like the game was completely over. They had a chance to go down and score, just couldn't do it. So, um, we'll see if they're a little more aggressive this week. I think fans will probably appreciate that more. I don't think it's really the losses that bother them. It's just the way that they lost. They feel like they, you know, Coach B hasn't gone out to try to grab the win. It's more so like, can we just stay back and, and secure it? So, we'll see if they're more aggressive. But in terms of Charlotte, I wanted to know, what are some – some defensive guys that you think will could possibly come up with those, like you said, key plays that could potentially swing the game. Cause in my opinion, turnover would probably decide this thing if Illinois does lose and they're not like, again, quarterback pay has been a struggle. So if there are some errant throws out there, there's a possibility that those can get picked off. Definitely uh, playmakers for Charlotte's defense um, two that come to mind, John Alexander, I believe I mentioned him earlier, the yeah. safety um, against Georgia state. There was a play where Destin Coates, their running back, broke through. He's going to walk in for a touchdown, 60 yards. And Alexander tracked him down from behind, stripped him, and Charlotte took it the other way and scored a few plays later. Uh, he's definitely like the, the effort guy, the, the playmaker coming from the free safety spot. And then Tyler Murray, um, he plays linebacker. He's leading the team in tackles right now. I believe he had two interceptions in the six-game season last year. Uh, he's playing more of like a nickel linebacker this year, a lot more pass coverage responsibility. Um, I think that in terms of making a play that will change the game, it's, it's one of those two guys. So that kind of leads me to my next question. You talked about Illinois special teams being good. Is that an area of strength for Charlotte as well? And I'm not normally the type of guy that's like, oh, like special teams are going to be where the game is won or lost. Like I don't really always buy into that philosophy. But where does Charlotte kind of live, special teams-wise? Yeah, so I'll just be blunt. It's been terrible for the past two years. Um, they've had a ton of punts blocked. Um, definitely the shining star, I guess, is kicker Jonathan Cruz. Um, he's consistent, reliable from 50 in. He can stretch a little bit past 50, but they had a situation a couple weeks ago. It was a 52-yard field goal that they just passed up on and punted it. And then it was a touchback. So it's like a 17 yard punt. Um, but in terms of punting and whatnot, they haven't had any block this year, which is shocking to me. Cause like I say, like teams have just come after them in the past and every week that goes by when teams aren't, I'm shocked because it was just like over and over like 2019 and then even into 2020, um, they have an Australian kicker, Bailey Rice. He's like a full-grown man. I think he's 27, 28 years old. Definitely the oldest guy on the team. Um, you'd think he's averaging about 40 yards a punt, but he hasn't had too many down inside the 20. He's a he's a rugby-style kicker, so he's got the whole rollout thing going. That may have be helping them not get blocked as much. But, yeah, I would say they're, they're par right now. Um, Cruz hasn't had many opportunities this year. They had a field goal blocked last week. Um, and if I, I mean, if I was in a, in a kick return role, special teams coach, I would just 
fair catch every time because they lose so many yards on penalties on those. It's ridiculous. Well, Hunter, do you have any questions before we kind of get to our prediction area of the end of the podcast? Actually, that, that was kind of – that was my question. I was going to ask how many points do you think Illinois' new score to win the game so we can just – we can get All right. That. So, I'll let James – you can go first if you want, and then I can kind of – I'll go second if you'd like. Yeah, um, I'll go <laughs> Ill- – These are never <laughs> Illinois, fun. I mean I- – I mean, people keep saying, oh, like, pick the over. No, I'm not picking the over. I'll go, you know, Illinois 30, Charlotte 20. Yeah, so I get, so I gave a prediction last night on a little TV show thing that I do as part of a college of media student, props to being a student journalist, I guess. For, <laughs> um, I actually predicted Illinois to win. I think I predicted Illinois 24 or 28. I can't remember exactly what I predicted. I predicted under, I said the under as well. I had Illinois 24. I think Charlotte 21. So a pretty close scoring game. Um, tight. I just don't trust the Illinois offense to get separation. Yeah. And maybe they do. Maybe Illinois gets some separation if the defense gets a defensive score. And I think that would go a long way for Illinois to getting a win. But I'll say Illinois 24, Charlotte 21. I think this game is going to depend on the forecast. Um, Charlotte's first road game of the season at Georgia State, it rained. The offense scored seven points. They were terrible. Um, I think – if it rains, Illinois by two or three scores. Um, if it's sunny and Charlotte can get on the board, I think Charlotte has to score 27 points to win the game. My my prediction is a homer prediction, but here we go. 27-24 Charlotte. Uh, but like I say, it's pending the forecast because if this game is all on the ground and it's tougher throwing and catching with the rain, it's definitely going to be a ground-and-pound game, and I don't think Charlotte can – out muscle Illinois. Well, Hunter, I can say this. If Charlotte somehow finds a way to beat Illinois, actually, I shouldn't say somehow finds a way. If they find a way to beat Illinois, it's not going to be a shock to very many Illinois fans at this point because they're used to losing to FCS, group of five opponents. They've done it a lot in the last decade. So your prediction's not too too far off. Yeah, and just for just kind of piggyback on that, the last two <laughs> weeks when, when I'm writing uh, my gamer, because I have to actually send in my version, with no quotes, like right at the gun. So um, I've had two versions going. I've had the one where, you know, Illinois, they're ahead. Okay, they're going to win. I got this nice lead, fluffy lead. Then it goes to like, oh, you know, the last few minutes, they, they squandered the lead. Oh, they're going to lose. And they haven't flipped that right back. So I would not be surprised um, if it changed. But I really think that it, it, it will get pretty dark around here if they're not able to beat Charlotte. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I always tell Alec and everyone else, I haven't lost a game yet on the beat, so. Um, I feel good either way. Well, Hunter, thanks for coming on and joining us. We appreciate it. Um, Illini fans, if you're looking to read any of Hunter's stuff, Hunter, where can they find that at? Um, at Hunter Bailey or Hunter underscore Bailey 45 on Twitter. I actually had to look that up before I got on here because I did not know. <laughs> oh, it happens. We all we all forget it every, every now and then. <laughs> and then James, I think Illini fans would be maybe a little bit more interested and reading your stuff, not just now, but in the future as well. Um, where can they find that at? Uh, at Romeoville Kid, uh, from Romeoville, Illinois. It was a troll thing I did in college, stuck with it. So all socials, you can check that, heraldreview.com as well. And, um, you know, read my stuff, read Alex's stuff, read Doug's stuff, read 100. Like, support journalism, please. Thank you. <laughs> it's going to put it any better. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Orange and Blue News podcast. 
take care of everyone, each other. And uh, if you're over in Champaign for the game on Saturday and see any of us, feel free to say hi. Have a good one, everyone.